You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. We've been working through Galatians. We're going to continue that today, the end of chapter 2. And last Sunday, Sean did a great sermon, didn't he? From right here. And he gave us a question at the beginning of the service. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember the question that he did last time? He said, uh, like, who? Well, I just want to note that there was a winner. There was. There was. From Missouri. From Missouri, yes. And yes, my son has two season tickets to the Chiefs, and I'm a little partisan, but my granddaughter's husband works for Pete Carroll at the Seahawks, so I'm divided my loyalties. And 49, but anyway, there it goes. The thing that got me, though, as I watched the game last week, at the beginning when they did that incredible thing with The Rock doing his introduction, you know, that kind of stuff, and the, the team came out, and the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes ran to the other end zone. Now, this isn't from the Super Bowl. This is from a year ago. That's what he does every game. He runs to the opposite end zone and kneels and prays. And in this particular picture, it's Darian Williams, the running back, and uh, Eric Fisher, the big, huge offensive tackle, and uh, Terrence Smith, who's not with the team anymore. That's what they do. Many times when he's being introduced to all the hoopla, he comes out giving praise to Jesus. Virtually every time there's a big score, that's his first thing, is one or two fingers up in praise to Jesus, a consistent, passionate Christian, and now the face of the NFL. He is a marketer. As you can imagine, I'm sure his endorsements are worth a lot of money. Look at that one up a little closer. All I need today is a little bit, a little bit of chiefs and a whole lot of Jesus. <laughs> you know, I love that. I'd love that. And if you look at the one on here, you can download the PowerPoint. By this, it's going to be a packed sermon, so you may want to do that anyway, off the website. You look down the list, Tariq Hill is in there, the little scat back that just can't be stopped. Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardiman, a wide receiver that was so good. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, the running back, who just was a huge backup. Travis Kelsey, the tight end, who was... I mean, these are all fervent Christians. When I look at the number of staunch Christians in the NFL, NBA, I see an unusually high percentage of faithful, staunch Christians. Why? Because Christian character counts. And if you're going to excel at the level you have to do for professional sports, it makes a big difference. That's what I like about that. Now, today, Galatians chapter 2, last half of the chapter. I'm going to be in that verse 11. Galatians 2.11, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by this hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. But when I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew. Yet, 
you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We, who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ... We Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law. So that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This is God's word for us to ponder today. It's a packed passage, amazing. One of the questions we played with in preaching team, and they asked me to go ahead and do it, was how is a Jew saved before Jesus came? How would Isaiah or Daniel or those guys be saved? Well, first of all, loyal love to the Lord among the competing gods, worshiping Yahweh exclusively. That faithfulness to God is the first thing. You look at the first of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, he said, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. What are those? Those are spiritual beings. They're powerful. They're angel-level critters. They're stealing worship from Yahweh. Very, very powerful. And when you look there, the two big ones that they wrestled with were Baal and Asherah. And these are actually pictures from the time of Baal and Asherah. It cleaned up a bit. Baal was a storm god and controlled the rain and a god of power. His consort, Asherah, was the goddess of fertility, sexualized off the charts. And the rituals that were done to worship these two were, what can I say, horrible done to get their favor. And there was a constant temptation to the people of Israel to join in the religious rituals around Baal and Asherah, but others as well, these gods. But what he's calling Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, the great thing that Jews repeat several times every day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And by heart, biblically, we're talking about the inner control panel of your life. That thing from whom, from which the deep desires and directions of your life and values come from. Love the God with all your heart, with all your soul. Now, we think of that as the emotions, but biblically, the soul is the whole person. 
It's breath plus spirit together in Genesis 2-7. So we could call that, that's your words and your actions. Love the God with your words and your actions as well. And then love him with all your strength. Now that's actually a very bizarre word because if we translate it literally, we would say love the Lord God with all your muchness. Like what does that mean? It means with everything. All your relationships give deep passion to everything you are. Inner life, words, actions, all your relationships be devoted to being like God and doing his work. That's what it's talking about. First of all, second of all, trusting. Faith. But faith is a trust that what God promises, you you trust what he promises even when it makes no sense whatsoever. Think of Abram. Leave your family and your home and go to a land I will show you. No sense. You don't leave your family. Unless God calls you. 75-year-old wife who doesn't have a baby. And God says, you're going to have a baby. He says, like, I, it's been a while. You know, it's, it's a problem. God says, I can make stars. I can make a baby. And he amens God. He trusts God. That kind of faith we're talking about. And then God says, take that son, that miraculous baby, and sacrifice him. And he hears and follows. Now, be sure it's the voice of God. But it made no sense, and he did it. Especially, especially about the coming of Messiah. That long-time promise going clear back to Genesis chapter 3. And that Messiah is the one who will destroy the works of the devil. That serpent-crushing Messiah, that offspring from Genesis 3, runs all the way through Scripture. 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God has come to destroy the works of the devil. John 12, he's here to condemn the prince of this world, and he stands condemned. All those outside things that dominate us have been taken care of in Messiah. But it's not just the outside stuff, it's the inside stuff. Because the problem's not just out there. I'm just not the victim of oppression. I am the oppressor in other places. He provides atonement for my sin. It's not just that I've been sinned against, though I have been. It's me too. And it's all taken care of in Messiah. That's the faith of an Old Testament Jew who's trusting in Yahweh. Old Testament Jews before Jesus came were saved by what? They're saved by grace. Faith is the receiver. A lot of people say they're saved by works of the law. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're saved by grace. And grace is always, always, always God's unmerited acceptance, freely given for the sake of relationship and for the enablement to serve him and others. That's our definition of grace we're using, and it's a good one. They're saved by grace. But they will show See, it's not just that you are a member of the people of God. It's that you'll show it. You'll live it out. They'll show that God's people by keeping the way of the Lord by doing tzedakah and mishpat, justice and mercy and righteousness. So you live in a community where all relationships, God, others, self, rest of creation, are well-ordered as God designed it to be. All the things around that where people are seen with dignity and worth and value for who they are. That's the justice. That's the 
righteousness of the Old Testament Jew. And, this is a big and, as sin began to happen in the Jewish community, God gave the Mosaic Covenant, and they're kept by doing Sadaqah and Mishpat, but also doing the works of the law. And those works of the law are the 613 specific commandments that you find in the Pentateuch that Gavin started at Sinai and went on for a while after that as sin came up. And so Jewish people would live according, observant Jewish people would live according, the, and what that would include was a number of things, 613 of them to be sure, but it'd be things like circumcision of men, boys, babies, the whole sacrificial system, very ornate, very detailed. You're not saved by doing sacrifices because sacrifices point to the coming Messiah through whom the atonement will really come. But the sacrifices are important to do that by all the food laws. And there's a lot of things God said, don't eat that because it's unclean. And the other things he said, do it this way, prepare it this way. And that was an important part of Jewish life. Still is, if you know observant Jewish people, they observe kosher. They don't eat certain things and they don't do things certain ways. The whole marriage, you can marry only Jews. You say, that's racist. Well, it's not when God says do it. Why does he not want to marry non-Jews? Because they worship Baal and Asherah. When you marry into Baal families, then you start worshiping Baal. He's got a reason for it. It includes other things like who you pray with, who you go to religious services with, who you go to funerals with, to think of what Jay's doing. Who would you invite to your funeral? You would never invite somebody who's a, not a, a Jew under Jewish law. We're going to do a deep dive in this passage. It's going to be intense, and I'm not apologizing a bit. <laughs> we who are Jews by birth, who's the we? Well, in this passage, he's speaking specifically about Peter and Paul and those that are like him. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. Well, who are sinful Gentiles? Well, that's people who eat bacon. Like any sinful Gentiles among us? Yeah, well, yeah, moi. <laughs> mm-hmm. But see, if you're a Jewish person, that makes you, it makes you dirty and shameful. Now, we have our own things. You know, somebody take a shower for a while, we think they're dirty and shameful. If somebody goes to the bathroom and doesn't wash their hands, they're defiled. We don't want to shake their hands. If somebody has a cold, like me, you don't want to touch me. Dirty and shameful. (laughs) There's a whole thing around that, and what we're saying there is they're unworthy of God's grace because they're, they're sinful Gentiles. Okay. We're not sinful Gentiles, he's saying. No to the person is not justified by works of the law. Okay. What are works of the law? A lot of commentaries say that's any moral effort you make, but here he's not talking about that. What he's talking about here is keeping the Mosaic Covenant keeping the 613 laws of Judaism, keeping the law of Moses. This is commanded by God. This is not some extra add-on out of nationalistic fervor or legalistic zeal. This is God's command in the Mosaic Covenant. 
So that's what he means by works of the law. Then he talks about justified. Now, justified has two senses in this passage. One sense, justified means accepted by God. How do you become a part of the people of God? If you're an Old Testament Gentile, you want to become accepted by God, you start living under the Mosaic Covenant. You start eating kosher, you do the sacrificial system. If you're male, you get circumcised, all those kinds of things. You become a part of the law of Moses because that's what you do. Not how you be. And then the other question, the other sense of justified is how do you show that you're people of God? And that's the life that you live. So two senses of justified. How are you accepted by God? How do you show that you are people of God? I can't get all this you're saying. Download the PowerPoint. It's on there. I know it's packed. So justified by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the New Testament. What is faith in Jesus Christ? Well, fundamentally, justified in the sense of accepted by God, what do I have to do to be accepted by God? Well, it means believe the gospel. Receive God's blood-bought forgiveness and the crushing of the serpent. Trust that Jesus Emmanuel died, rose, exalted, and poured out the Spirit. Receive the gospel. Trust faith alone, period. How do I do it in the sense of justified, that is, show that we're God's people? New Testament. See, in the Old Testament, key thing is keep the law of Moses. In the New Testament, we live like Jesus. We love God, love neighbor, do righteousness, do justice, all those things, but not the law of Moses because it's been replaced in the new covenant. Okay, now going on. We too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by Christ and not by works of the law. So what is works of the law? Yes, I expect you remember the last slide. What's works of the law? That's the Mosaic covenant. That's the Mosaic covenant. 613 commandments, not eating bacon, and so on. Kosher, all the things related to that. How you be justified. Okay, now what is Paul saying here? Justified in the sense of being accepted by God. New covenant. Peter, Paul, people in Galatia. Are they accepted by God by keeping the law of Moses? How are they? No, exactly right. Got it. Bingo. Not. Not. Could we be more dramatic? Maybe. See, this is the not. Now, if you're a Jew and your people have been celebrating the law of Moses for 1,500 years from Sinai, this is a big change. In the same sense, How do you do justification in showing that you're people of God? See, an Old Testament Jew is never saved by keeping the Mosaic Code. But in showing that they're Gentile or they're Jews, then they are required to keep that. And again, it's a not. Because the New Covenant has replaced the Mosaic Covenant. Now, that's hard for them to deal with. That's hard for them to believe. You see, it's not that difficult. It's not your life. 
I guarantee you God's going to make some stuff hard for you to release as well. Just going to be different for most of you because you don't come from a Jewish background the way these people did. Okay? Think a little further. We Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Okay, what are sinners? That's Sean who eats bacon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gentile sinners. If we live among the Gentiles, which means what? We're eating with people who eat bacon, even if we don't eat it. That means that we're promoting sin. We're dirty and shameful. Ay, 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 that's not good. That's not good. But see, the thing is, the new covenant has replaced the old covenant. And some rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so I can eat bacon. Yeah, it's kind of a bad attitude, but there's some truth to it. Because the new covenant has replaced it. The Mosaic covenant is not authoritative anymore. The Mosaic law is, has been there to protect the people of God, to guide their life in godly ways for 1,500 years. And what we're saying now is the Mosaic law is gone. It's rendered null and void. Its contract is ended by the coming of Messiah. So what will guide our life? What will guide us into godliness? What will tell us how to live like godly people? If the Mosaic law is gone, oh my gosh, we're going to promote sin all over the place. Well, not exactly. We've got a whole bunch of that later in the book. But the thing is, we're still to live like Jesus. That's the thing. We're to love God exclusively. We're to love neighbor. We're supposed to do justice and righteousness, and that's not change at all. But it's a hard change for Jewish folk. And we keep reading here. If I rebuild what I destroyed, what did he destroy? What did Paul destroy? What did Paul destroy? The law, the Mosaic Covenant. Now, he didn't do it, but in his life he did by accepting Jesus. I would really be a lawbreaker. Ironically, he says, if I put the Mosaic Covenant in place, I would be a lawbreaker by keeping the law. Paradox, but remember, Jeremiah 31, 31 says the new covenant has replaced the old covenant. So he's not a lawbreaker. For through the law, what's that? That's Moses. Now some make that any moral effort, and that's not what Paul's talking about here. A lot of the literature says any moral effort is sin. That's not what he's saying here. There is a place for moral effort for sure. I died to the law. Again, that's the law of Moses. Okay. That I might live for God. And says the passion of God's people all the way along. The Shema, hear Israel, the Lord is one. The The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. With all your heart, soul, and muchness. What is it saying there? We're empowered by the very same Spirit that empowered our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not left aimless. Chapters 5 and 6 will say a lot about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is around in the Old Testament, but it's around in a whole new way and for everyone. The Holy Spirit that empowered our Lord Jesus Christ to do his messianic work is the same spirit that empowers me and us 
but it's not just a me thing. If I were in my professorial role, I would make you memorize this verse and take a quiz on it. (laughs) Galatians 2.20. This is Jay's favorite verse probably in the whole Bible. He was so looking forward to preaching this passage. I'm sorry, Jay, that you're not here preaching this because he would have done a profound job of it. It's his heartbeat in every way. And his unique and incredible way would have been super powerful. I have been crucified with Christ. That horrible, shameful death that the God of glory went through for our sake. There's a song we sing from time to time, Oh, the Wonderful Cross. I can't sing it. There is nothing wonderful about that cross. The outcome, yes, but the cross is an instrument of horror. Everything about it is terrible. But our Lord went there. And I was crucified with Christ. What does that mean? The works of the devil have been destroyed. Whatever that means. And there's lots of things the devil does in our lives. His works have been destroyed, rendered null and void for us. And we need to acquire that truth. We've been delivered from the dominion of darkness. All the spiritual authorities of the world, the flesh, and the devil have been rendered null and void for us. All the ways of success that come in our jacked-up society have been rendered unimportant for us in Jesus Christ. Delivered from the dominion of darkness. Now, that's not to say things don't have power in life. But he's delivered us from their authority. It means that all, and I mean all, our sin is atoned for. There's lots of relational work yet to be done. There's a lot of relational work to be done to acquire that to receive it in my life, which is the life of faith. It's all taken care of because I'm crucified with Christ. When the devil looks at me and says, I saw you do that. No way, you're a Christian. What do I say? I didn't do it. Doesn't work because I did. I say, oh, you're right. And I go into the pit of shame. Satan wins. No, what do I say? I say, you're right, that's deserving of death. And God be praised, I died. When did you die? On a hill called Calvary. Because the death of Jesus Christ is a part of my history as a person, as surely as my marriage to that pretty woman over there is a part of my history as a person. And they both count heavily in my life. I'm completely delivered from condemnation. Completely delivered from condemnation. Not conviction. Condemnation, you suck, there's no hope for you. In various many terms of that. Conviction is what the Holy Spirit and the people of God do that says, oh, that stinks, let's work on it, I'll help. There's hope. Condemnation and conviction are completely different, but they sound a lot alike sometimes. I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm loyal to him among all the gods. And see, a lot of the gods of this world are the god of success. 
the God of being liked, the God of getting my degree in the right kind of way, the God of I need to be married or whatever it is. There's lots of gods, as well as the spiritual beings, because people worship the great God Aphrodite and Narcissus deeply in our society and oftentimes don't know what they're doing. Others are very knowledgeable in what they're doing. I trust what he says, even when it makes no sense. And a lot of stuff he says to me makes no sense. Sometimes looking back, it makes sense. Sometimes it just makes no sense. And he says, he'll go with me there. It's amazing. I live to please him and to please his people. I hear people say, I don't ever live for the for the approval of others. Absolutely, I live for the approval of godly people. There's a lot of people in this church who speak into my life and say, Gary, that was good, and I appreciate it. I receive that. Other times they say, oh, Gary, God, did you do it again? And I say, you're right, I did. Help me. And they do. I absolutely live for the approval of godly people. Absolutely. That's called community life. That's what we do here. I live as I'm guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So much to develop out of this. And that last phrase, I do not set aside the grace of God. This is our definition. God's unmerited acceptance, freely given for the sake of relationship and for the enablement to serve him and others. That's what grace is. It's an acceptance, but it's also an empowerment that's given to his as a gift. So what's the gospel? I preached this a month ago. You all memorized it, right? You did. Sure. Jesus is what? Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Uh Uh-huh. Lord Messiah. He what? Crucified. What goes in the next blank? Rose, good. Mm -hmm. Then what? Exalted over death and demons and poured out what? The Holy Spirit. See, that's the good news. Is that God himself came to live among us as a human, living our full life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, went through the horrors of crucifixion for the sake of our atonement, rose to bring newness of life into our life, our life together, exalted over all the hostile powers and gave us the Holy Spirit to guide and empower and unify our life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We're going to keep doing that. Membership of the people of God is a gift. It is a gift. It's not an achievement. It's a gift. We live in such an entitlement society. Of course we should get it. And we're totally ticked off when we don't get something. No, no. There's no deserving before the Holy God. There is no deserving. Out of his love and faithfulness, he gives us the gift to be received by those who recognize their need. And see, for a lot of people, because of the entitlement and the victim society we live in, they, I've got no need. It's what they did that's the problem, not me. No, I, they did, yes. I got a problem. And I need God's help to deal with it. That's what the gospel's all about. And that's true, Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, Rams, chief, Democrat, Republican, Gresham, Portland, California. No, I don't know about California, that may be too much. (laughs) They will show that they're God's people by keeping away the Lord, by doing righteousness and justice, same as before. 
So the new covenant, I'm skipping ahead just a little bit there on your notes. As prophesied, the new covenant replaced the Mosaic covenant as part of the work of the Messiah. So you don't keep the Mosaic covenant anymore. Those are much in the Mosaic covenant that's good. We're under its authority. And what that means is we no longer keep the Mosaic covenant. We don't. Now you can. Many people do keep the Mosaic Covenant. They keep kosher. That's fine as you do it because I choose to live that way. Just don't put that off on somebody else and judge them because they don't. That's the legalism that was intolerable. Okay. So Gentiles, that's if you're not a Jewish person, can be freed from domination by all the gods that run around. The gods of success, gods of family, gods of wealth, as well as the gods of the spiritual beings, the demonic beings that are so much a part of our society, freed by that. We'll pick that up in, a, in another sermon. So false gospels, they bring God's curse. Some are about how you become a part of the people of God. Some are how you live as people of God. About becoming a part of the people of God, the biggest one, and it's a big one, I hear it all the time, is I gotta clean myself up before I can come to Jesus. But he come right now, he'll just roll his eyes and walk away. That is not true. That's a lie. Under God's curse, anybody who says that is going against the gospel and they need to be called out. I don't care what it is. Anything that says you've got to clean this up before you can become a Christian is a lie. That guy in Thailand that killed 20 people and wounded 42 others, if he and he's, I don't know if he's been caught yet or not. Let's say he's been caught and he's sitting in a prison cell. And somehow he says, Jesus, I need your help. Could he be saved as a murderer of all those people? Absolutely. Absolutely. What if he's still doing it? He just needs God's help. He'll clean up later. It's important. How about being people of God? Well, the big one here is, do we need to keep the Mosaic Covenant? The answer is no. For us Gentiles, we're freed from the domination of the need to go to the temple and worship the gods of our city. And the gods of our city are self, sex, money, Success, we're freed from domination by those horrible things in our society. The world, the flesh, and the devil all work together. Worship team, why don't you come up here? Faith, trust, commitment to Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is so incredible that the God of the universe would do that. Reconstructs, reorders, reorients my entire life. And that's not just the beginning, that's the whole life, but because I'm reoriented at the core, my life begins a follower of Jesus kind of thing as we walk together, keeping in step with the Spirit. Being crucified with Christ, I've said it before, I want to say it again, we are completely delivered from all condemnation, not conviction. Condemnation, that condemning voice in your head is not the voice of God. Tell it to go to hell in the authority of Jesus Christ. Do not try to argue with it. That's what it wants you to do. Now, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me, is my brother as well as my Lord. An incredible power that the Lord of the universe would be my brother in this life unbelievable except that it's true incredible power brother and lord our identity as 
God's children is more important than any other identity. Now, there's lots of identities. I'm professor of theology at Western Seminary. I'm a pastor of pastors. I'm a husband of that pretty woman. I'm grandfather. Can I show you some pictures of my grandkids? Yeah. You know, all those things. Those are important identities, but they're all secondary. All secondary to being a child of God. We must accept and associate with all people. Jesus accepts and associates with. I know we're a little late, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want us to read this passage together. Would you stand? Let's read it out loud together, this incredibly powerful passage, which is the Word of God. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I want us to sing one of my very, very favorite songs, Oceans, that talks about stepping out into the deep in faith. What a good thing to celebrate together. The King of glory who comes to be with us so we can be with him and like him forever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the grace of your, just the kindness of who you are. Thank you for your justice and holiness that you never tolerate sin but come in to redeem it. Lord, we need redemption. Will you work in our life, Holy Spirit? Show us those places where we need to grow as a church and as individuals that we can take the good news that the God reigns as a God of compassion and grace and forgiveness and justice. We celebrate that together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.